here in this space, we're going to have fun together as well. We're going to gather around the Gospel uh, of Luke. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you'll turn with me there. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 38 and follow on to the end of the chapter. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together will hear the word of the Lord. Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what Jesus was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and its hearing. And so we together give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God. We come around your word together so thankful, thankful that you chose to reveal yourself to us in the authority and power of the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for the testimony that is this encounter between Mary and Martha and your one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so we ask, O Lord, that as we gather around your word, you would teach us, you would guide us. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts, we would feel its power. Then we ask that in response, you open our hands that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So this year, I, I was privileged to go with our youth ministry on ski trip over spring break. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do with the student ministry, and, uh, and we went to, uh, to Winter Park as we had in previous years, uh, and, but this one was a little bit different for me. Uh, the, the, the cooking and kitchen teams were all well-organized, uh, uh, machines of effectiveness, and, and the students were taking care of all that needed to be taken care of. And there were two adults that really claimed the, the roles of uh, leadership in the kitchen, Esperanza and Alan. And, and that was a little different for me because I oftentimes inserted myself into those spaces in previous years and, and really uh, kind of clung to the, the consistency and the capacity to achieve and, to, and complete tasks. And, and I really enjoy the end of time, a time in the kitchen whenever you put away the last dish and you look upon the kitchen and everything is back exactly how it began. I mean, that's a good feeling for me. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy producing all that needs to be produced and knowing that everything is in order. Well, I looked and realized that, that, that Esperanza and Alan 
were handling those duties, those roles, very differently than I had in previous years. Uh, most of the time in previous years, I think I probably elbowed people out of the way. Like, like, like uh, students might have been assigned the tasks to help me. I really wouldn't know because I probably didn't let any of them help. Uh, and, and then I looked at how Esperanza and Alan were handling this space and how they were blessing and welcoming. And they were doing... All of the work, but all of the work was done with a deep joy. And I was so honored to be able to witness how they perform their tasks, but from that place of joyful peace. So I have uh, uh, an exercise I want you to do. I want you to imagine, first of all, you need to think about your house right now, its current state of being. That was fun to get to look at your eyes. Uh, Now I want you to imagine that right now you find out that today you're having at least 13 guests that are going to eat and sleep in your house today. Now I want you to begin making your lists in your mind of all of the things that need to be accomplished in order to host 13 minimum people in your house today. Did you think about the guest bathroom trash can? Did you think about your kid's toothpaste stuck on the sink in their bathroom? Did you think about the fact that you didn't have enough food and you need to go to HEB on the way home? Did you think about the dishes, the pots and pans that are on the counter? Or maybe like me, you did four or five loads of laundry yesterday and they're still in the living room folded, but at least they're folded, right? Like you're beginning to run through this massive list of all that would need to be accomplished in order to receive 13 plus guests into your home tonight. You might even be thinking about the air mattresses that need to be blown up and the sheets that need to be available for all of those guests, and you need enough towels in the restroom for all of those guests. It's a huge task that needs to be undertaken in order for you to receive 13 guests tonight. This is where we arrive at in this story. And so oftentimes we, we, we place this kind of, this, this ugly name upon the, uh, the servant of the story, Martha, Martha. And we, we say it in an exacerbated fashion as though to ridicule Martha for her foolishness. And I think in so doing, we, we totally miss what God has for us. And if we would reframe and refocus what, 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 what God has prepared coming into this story and how God continues to move in these lives, we might have a better perspective. So let me begin by saying, if, if we were to, to be reading this at home and we were journeying through the scriptures, not just hearing a snippet pulled out on a Sunday morning, we would be coming out of the story of the Good Samaritan as we entered into the story of Mary and Martha. Does that make a difference for you? You're like, Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan. Pastor Jason, help me out. So the story of the Good Samaritan, you remember there's uh, a man that's beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road, and there's a couple that pass by him and do not help, and then there's a Samaritan man. And the Samaritan sees this one who is beaten and left on the side of the road, and what does he do? He has mercy, and he 
takes care of him. He bandages his wounds. He uh, puts him on his animal, uh, leads him to an inn. He takes care of this man. And then he even gives money to the innkeeper and tells the innkeeper to take care of him. And then Jesus asks those that are gathered around him, who in this story did God's will? Who, who acted uh, in, in a righteous manner and way? And, and the response is the one who showed mercy, the good Samaritan, the one who took care of their neighbor. Oh, so now we come into the story of Mary and Martha and we see that, 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 that hospitality, service, ministry, care, maybe they aren't so bad. Maybe it is God-honoring. And so how does that cause us to reframe our focus on the story of Mary and Martha? Second piece that I want us to, to hear, this is not the only time we hear about Martha. We actually hear about Martha three times in Scripture. This is the first. The very last time we see Martha in Scripture is in the Gospel of John chapter, uh, chapter 12. Now, this is a couple of chapters after the story of Martha and Mary and Jesus with their brother Lazarus, who's died. We'll get to that more in a little while. But in the Gospel of John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we hear uh, another A story of Jesus and Martha. And here's all that we have, but receive the power and relate it back to what we read in Luke. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There, they gave a dinner for him. Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those at the table with Jesus. Martha served. Now, there's no critique, there's no rebuke, there's no commentary that that should convince us that something that just took place uh, was inappropriate or out of the ordinary. In in fact, it seems to be affirmed that that here we have Jesus back in Martha's home uh, with Lazarus and Mary and his disciples, and in this space, Martha serves, and it is God-honoring. So knowing that in the Good Samaritan, we're taught to care for our neighbors. And with Martha, there is an example of continuing in service that has no, uh, no commentary or critique on it. How then should we reframe what takes place in Luke chapter 10? So first of all, it says that, that Martha welcomed Jesus and his disciples into her home. Uh, I mean, this is a massive deal. There were no preparations made. There was no expectation that this was coming. This is Martha out of the goodness of her heart and, and, and out of the warmth of, of hospitality woven into her, welcoming them into her home. And this is no small feat. This is, and this is typical Jesus. Like, there's no plan or place, uh, it seems, to the, to the onlooker. Uh, where are you going to eat? Feeding the 5,000? Uh, loaves and fish. Uh, where are you going to sleep? Um, so I'm walking through town, and there's a short dude in a tree. I'm going to eat with you and sleep at your house. Check. Right? 
This is so typical Jesus. He's walking through Bethany, and he has no plans for where he's going to stay and what he's going to eat and how all of his disciples are going to be cared for. And the Spirit of God moves in Martha's life, and Martha responds by opening her home to Jesus. She opens her home. Now, this says uh, so much for us about who Martha is. This was not her husband's home. This was not her brother's home. This was her home. She's probably a woman of some, of some means, uh, some affluence, some respect in her community with some sort of authority or leadership uh, in, in the city of Bethlehem. Her family lineage probably has a heritage that's worth noting here. And Martha, uh, as a respected community leader, feels the warmth of hospitality in her heart and welcomes Jesus and his disciples in. This is no small feat. And so, as she welcomes them in, she's doing what you were doing a few moments ago. I have 13 plus people in my home. I didn't have plans for this. I need to cook. I need to clean. I need to serve. I need to be sure that all of the details are taken care of. And she started writing down in her head all the tasks that need to be completed. Are you a task person? I love tasks. I love making my list of things to do. I love it so much so uh, that, that, that I have, I have certain, certain ways uh, of which I'm kind of anal retentive about it, right? I don't want to check a task. I don't want to erase or delete a task. I, I want to strike through a task so that I could prove to myself that I have completed something. Right? I want to be able to look back on my list and say, yes, you did it. Affirm me, please. That's what, that's, and, and by the way, if you don't know, your notes on your Apple phone, uh, your iPhone, have the capacity to strike through. If you didn't know that, I will show you after worship and we could have a lesson for strike through on an iPhone. So Martha's making her list of all the things that need to be accomplished and she's doing all of this work and she, and she realizes that she's alone in this task and she's feeling burdened by it and, and, and whatever is going on. And then she goes to Jesus and, and, and verse 40 um, really describes uh, some of the motivating factors that, that, that Martha understands and is presenting. But, but it, it likely doesn't, doesn't fully represent what is going on here Watch how this goes. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Chapter 10, verse 40. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Now, uh, we're not reading the altar Bible today. It's NIV. This is NRSV. It's, it, it gets closer in, in a few ways. If you have the NIV, you've probably noticed some differences. But it still misses something critical here that, that we need to come around. And it's the connection uh, between two words that are translated differently here in verse 40. Her many tasks, the word tasks, and when she uh, says uh, that she has all the work. Though the, the word is, is, should not be translated task or work. The root word in the Greek is dio diakonia, or diakonon, and it means to serve or to minister. 
service or ministry. It literally says that Martha was distracted by her ministry. And she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, why am I ministering all alone? And you might be asking the the, the right and appropriate question, you could be distracted by ministry? Yes. It, it, It can be from an inappropriate place? Yes. Ministering, serving out of our own strength and for our own performance falls short of what God intends. And you could see that this is, this is uh, it really doesn't drive at the heart of it to say tasks or work. Because ministry and service are good, righteous, holy endeavors. Not just things that happen here at Covenant, but the work of the church, uh, uh, the people of God out in the community, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, that, that ministry and service to the world. And yes, even there in those spaces, it still comes to a critical point where we have to ask, what is going on? That Martha could say, I'm minister and serving alone. And Jesus could say, in response, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things, and there is need of only one thing. You're distracted by many things, and yet there is really only one thing. I think this is an example of a moment when Jesus knows Martha better than Martha knows herself. Have you ever had a moment where Jesus knew you? better than you knew yourself. If not, just live with them a little while and it's going to happen. It's going to happen because because, uh, so often we we understand what's going on down deep, but really there are layers that are still being pulled back one after another. And Jesus is doing that work, revealing his heart and his movement with you to you all along the way. Jesus knows Martha better than she knows herself. Martha has one presenting issue. I'm working alone. Tell Mary to help. Jesus says, you're worried and distracted, but not by one thing, by many things. So we start to ask, what are some of the many things that we could consider Martha was distracted and worried by? And so I... I, I, I sat with, uh, with Megan and Zach earlier this week, and we started rattling off different things. We came up with six, okay? Six different things that might be the many things that Jesus was talking about. There are likely many more. If you come up with others, I'd love to hear them because I think that it's a fascinating example of how Jesus knew something that, that doesn't even get articulated in description in Scripture, but we can uh, infer. And the first is the simple truth that Martha might have been worried and distracted by the tasks that she had to accomplish, right? She has work that needs to be done. There's literal tasks that, they're, 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 that can be identified that need to be worked on in order to uh, have a successful uh, uh, offer of hospitality for Jesus and his disciples. And so you've been there. If you know there's work to be done and it needs to get done, 
You could be laser focused on that list to the expense of other opportunities. Have you ever had a moment where your spouse comes into the room where you're working and they begin to have a conversation with you? And maybe it's a great opportunity to encounter your spouse authentically, to really hear what's going on in their lives or to be invited into a space where there can be some connection and you totally miss it because you're absent from that moment, you're entirely focused on the tasks that need to be accomplished. It's never happened to me, but it's probably happened to all of you. Maybe Martha was worried and distracted by the tasks that need to be accomplished. Or, or may, maybe she was worried and, and anxious about the fact that she was doing this all alone. Here she is, a house full of people, filled to the brim, and all, all this work that needs to be done, and she just feels alone. Have you ever felt alone in your work? We're built for community. It's woven into our DNA. And I know some of you are like, I'm not a team player. I like to do it on my own. We, the people of God, all of creation are, are built for community. And in that glorious construction for community, we need one another and we can feel alone. And maybe she felt alone. And she just wanted some help. It's like the high school kid that gets in a group project and, and uh, you, you start at the very beginning of the project texting one another about all that needs to be accomplished and then no one is responding to your text messages and you know the grade is still going to come and you're the one that's doing all the work and at the end of the project you're just frustrated because you did it all and they did nothing. No one? No one? Maybe she just felt alone. And she looked and she saw Mary was there amongst the disciples and with Jesus and said, where is Mary? Where is my help? Or maybe, maybe it wasn't just uh, the task needed to be done or there was help that needed to be there in ministry. Maybe she wanted validation for her own choice in this situation. I mean, sometimes we want to be told we're right. Anyone? I mean, it, it is good to have someone say, good job, thumbs up, you get a gold star or a smiley face sticker. Uh, and, and sometimes we are in work environments where our boss is not very good at saying those things. And sometimes you might even need to tell your boss, I need this from you. And then your boss is like, oh, I should tell you how good you are. Because you are that gifted and that good. I might be telling a personal story there. Um, I have a staff that's really good at telling me what they need, and I'm so thankful for it. And maybe that was on Martha's heart. Maybe Martha was doing all of these activities, and she was, like, just slaying it. The dinner was smelling good. The living room was just wafting with the goodness of her, of her gifts of hospitality. And the table was set, and everything was prepared, and she was absolutely crushing it. And she walked in and said, How am I doing, Jesus? I mean, is that so hard to believe? That we might want someone to say, good job? Maybe this was one of the things that was on Martha's heart. 
Or maybe, maybe Martha was well-informed and well-indoctrinated into the cultural norms of the day. And as a woman, uh, the matriarch of a home, she knew that there was work for a woman to do in this day and age. And she was fulfilling all of the expectations that the world had laid upon her. And she looked at her sister and said, Sister, you are failing to affirm your role in this space. And so she goes to Jesus for affirmation of this cultural norm. Could that be a possibility here? That she just wants Jesus to say, yes, this is the way it should be. And you should be doing this for me. And he refuses. What else could it be? It, it might be that she looks at Mary. And she turns to Mary and sees that she is having exactly what she really wants, but has not had the space to receive up until this point. Maybe, maybe Martha invited Jesus into her home because she was so hungry to meet with the rabbi, so desiring to understand the power of his ministry, to see the miracles of his healing, both physical and spiritual and emotional. And then in this space, she looks on Mary and she sees that Mary is getting exactly what she desires. And maybe, just maybe, there is a space of envy that wells up with then Martha, and Martha says, why her and not me? You see, Jesus knows Martha better than Martha knows herself. And Martha offers a presenting issue, and Jesus says, there is so much more going on here. There are many things that you can be doing. But in this moment, there is only one thing that you should be doing. So many times we, in in our culture of performance, our drive to succeed, uh, we are are influenced by by this movement uh, 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 around us and within us to achieve such that We are serving and performing in order to be approved by or made close to Jesus. We think if we just do enough, we will be close to Jesus. And Jesus hears this narrative from Martha and he flips it upside down, turns it on its head and says, no, that's not how this works. I don't want you to serve to be close to me. I don't want you to be in ministry to be close to me. I want you to minister and serve because you are close to me. I want you to be in relationship with me uh, so intimately that, that you know my love, my care, my compassion for you. You know the saving grace available for you in my very presence. And you will dwell in my presence and respond in ministry to the world. Jesus invites a total reframing of this 
passage for us today. Now, we sometimes can't get it out of our heads, this Martha, Martha from Jesus, right? This, this rebuke, this ridicule, this critique. Uh, we put it in this position of, of, uh, of frustration from Jesus. But I want us to hear it with the full tone of loving compassion with which I am confident it was offered because of the response that we see. Jesus hears Martha's heart and knows her better than she knows herself. And he says, Martha, Martha. And we know the fruit of this encounter. We are not left to wonder. In in the second of the three encounters that we have in Scripture between Jesus and Martha, we find ourselves uh, right after Lazarus has died in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And and we hear of of this movement uh, that has taken place in Martha, and and it testifies to the fact that she actually made the move from performance for peace. She made the move, and we get to hear its powerful witness, beginning in verse 20 and then following through verse 27. We'll we'll walk through it, and let's hear what happens in Martha's life. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming after Lazarus had died, she went and met with Jesus while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, she's saying, you have the power to heal. I know of your healing work in my life, in my family's life, in my community's life. I've seen it over and over again. You have the power to heal. And if you had been here, he would have been healed. But she doesn't stop there. Verse 22. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. She says, I've seen you do this healing thing, but I know that you could do whatever you ask of God because God is going to respond if you ask. She comes with this immense faith in his power and the the unity of God the Father and God the Son. And she calls upon Jesus and says, even now I know something can happen here, miraculous. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha testifies to her faith. In verse 24, she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's a woman who firmly believes in the resurrection. No question, no doubt, in the face of tragic death, in the face of loss and mourning, grief that knows no bound, you've been there and I've been there. In the face of death, she testifies to her faith and says, I believe in the resurrection. That's a woman who sat at the knees, uh, at the feet of Jesus, on her knees, and there in that space, she met with him. She moved from performance to peace, and she knows of the resurrection. And then Jesus says, To her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet will they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? You have heard that very verse spoken over and over again at funeral and memorial service uh, time and time again. Did you realize that that was in response? It was a testimony from Jesus affirming the faith of Martha. 
Not Martha, Martha. But Martha, Martha. The one who heard Jesus' invitation to a deeper relationship and responded faithfully, affirming the healing power of Jesus, the resurrection that is available for each and every one of us. And then she says, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the one who we have been waiting for, who is coming into the world. She offers the most clear testimony to the identity of Jesus we have in all of the Gospels. There is not one disciple of Jesus who offers a more profoundly rich testimony to who Jesus is than Martha. And that came because she authentically brought herself with all of her baggage and all of her questions, her worries and her anxieties, her distractions, all of it. And Jesus says, I know you and I invite you. I invite you to move from this drive to perform, this desire to serve in order to be close to me, and instead I want you to be close to me. And when you know my peace, when you know my joy, the way you will serve and be in ministry to the world will never be the same. Let us hear that same invitation from Jesus today. And may our drive to perform always be rooted in the peace that we have that passes all understanding in Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to be able to come in your presence and know that you are moving amongst us and in us, that we are not left uh, abandoned or alone, that uh, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with us and that you have peace and joy for us. Lord, all of our motivations and all of our misplaced activities, Lord, let those be set aside so that we might dwell deeply with you and celebrate the life-transforming work of your Spirit within us just as we see it has happened in Martha as well. Lord, as we continue in worship and enter into this time of offering, we pray, O oh God, that you would bless these gifts, all the gifts that are given this day, Lord, that you would be glorified in them, that, that your kingdom-building work would, uh, would, uh, would extend far beyond these walls into our community and indeed to the world through the work of these gifts. Be glorified that more would know the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, his love and his grace through the work of these gifts. And Lord, I thank you for these givers as well. I pray your blessing upon them that as they give, they would know uh, the, the, the joy that we have when we give things away. Be glorified in this time of offering, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.